Hi, and welcome to The Badass Moms, where we moms learn to achieve fitness and health goals despite being sleep-deprived and overworked. Here's your host, Nicole, the super busy mommy coach. Hello, and welcome to Badass Moms, brought to you by the Holistic Therapies Directory. I'm Nicole Cruz, super busy mommy coach. Today, I am extremely excited to welcome Joshua Castillo. Joshua is an elite parenting coach and early childhood consultant. She delivers a fresh perspective, effective strategy, and empathetic support, laugh included. Joshua, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. So excited. So excited. Um, And so for those of you who don't... For those of you who don't know about Joshua, some of you might have seen her on my um, Instagram TV, but what I love about you, Joshua, is that you're so down to earth and that this is like a guilt-free, shame-free space for moms to talk about issues that often are invisible. And because we're not supposed to say certain things, we end up feeling like we're the only one in a situation. And so I know we'll get into a lot of that today. um, But for those who are listening, I wanted to make sure they have that context, because I think that's something that makes you really unique. Yes, I think it's, there's so many things that make parenting hard, like uh, kids who have allergies, uh, kids who are picky eaters, uh, diaper blowouts, uh, cranky kids who won't nap. Like there's so many things naturally that make parenting hard <laughs> that why do we layer on top like social taboos and shame and guilt? Like it makes no sense to me. So I think I love to approach certain things head on. Like there's nothing horrible you can tell me about what you said or did with your kid because I understand human nature. So if we get that off of our chest, then it's really so much easier to figure out, so what do I do instead when I have that same feeling? Because the truth is we cycle in, right? You're going to feel those same feelings. So it's about being open enough to say, I have the feelings, so what do I do? Instead of blank, blank, or blank. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so let's name some of those feelings or some of those things that people do with their kids and, and that it's worth having a space to discuss it so that we can figure out what to do next time. Right. So I think a good example is, so today I wrote a post about the time that I spanked my child, which I think, you know, like a parenting coach, I (laughs) was like, okay, people are either going to be like, (gasps) Like even you have this moment or they're going to freak out. I will never work with you because you lost it, right? Um, But it was literally just playing through all the dynamics that led to that moment. And I think that's what it is. Like spanking isn't just the act of spanking. It's being aware of all of the dominoes that have fallen that get you in that precise situation where you get this feeling that you are out of control. You need to control whatever it is. And next thing you know, you're whacking your kid because you were whacked or because you heard it works or because they physically hurt you by accident, whatever it is, but it's the act of you do it. 
Um, and I think in sharing my story, I, I did it so that people can see there's a lot of elements to it. There's a lot of things that I can think through differently so that I don't end up in those same exact circumstances. And I think in that circumstance, my gut told me from the beginning, don't go to the family get together. Like, don't go. Like, you're sleep deprived. Everyone says they want to meet the babies, but really they talk to your baby for a handful of minutes and then they move on. Um, my little one was milk protein allergy, which if no one knows about that, that means they are highly sensitive to anything dairy. So instead of just like spitting up, it's explosive reflux. So, I mean, it like shoots across the room when they spit up, which meant I was breastfeeding. So I could have nothing that had dairy and she was so sensitive that I couldn't even eat a hamburger. So anything from a cow would trigger this. Um, And so where I was going, it was Southern cooking, which meant (laughs) butter and beef. Everything was butter. Uh So like my gut was saying, everything about it, it was an hour and a half away from the house. My gut was saying, not a good move. Had the two-year-old, but if she gets cranky, doesn't eat. (coughs) So it was a lesson in ignoring my gut. And yes, I survived the experience, but on the way home, everything my gut told me, if all of these dominoes fall this way, it's not going to be good. Two-year-old didn't eat well. I ate something that had, no, I ate very little because everything had dairy. I was starving. I was hungry. She had a diaper blowout. There was an accident. We got trapped on the freeway with no exit. <laughs> and then I got kicked. And then the and then you know I'm cemented between two kids in the back seat. One of them has a meltdown, kicks me right in the boobs. And you know when you're like in the midst of breastfeeding, yes. how sometimes they're sensitive. <laughs> and then I just snapped and I smacked her leg. And God bless her, she kicked me right back. (laughs) In that moment, it was clarity that she looked in her little eyes. I felt like offended that I like, who was I to smack her? Like, how dare I? So it wasn't fear. It was more like, how could you disrespect me? And in that moment, I realized I'm out of control. I'm out of control. I said yes to all the wrong things. I just need to figure out a way to get home. I just need to survive this. And that was the first and last day it happened. It wasn't the first or last day I felt like spanking because you have like these memories of when your parents did it, however it is that they parented you. But I would have the moments and I'd say, ah, right right about now, I would be getting spanked. Or right about now, if I did it my, my parents' way, I'd be spanking my kid. But because I'd, I'd acknowledge that voice, there was a big enough pause that I'd say, so, but I'm not. So now what is my plan? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a, I mean, it's a tough one because there are all those emotions. And then there are other things that play into it too. For example, um, like, I feel like there's the saying that has, you know, 
I guess, survived the the actual common practice of spanking. But the saying, yeah. you know, you'll see a kid and be like, oh, that kid, that kid needs a good beating. And even if it's someone who <laughs> didn't actually beat their kids, it's just this the saying. We all know what that means, right? You know, um, and then there's also the fact that sometimes you don't know what else to do. You're like, I need to stop this. Like if you have one sibling attacking another sibling, it's like, I know I need to stop this. I don't know what else to do. My parents would have spanked. I have to do something immediately. All I can think about is spanking. That's my only option. So I'm going to do it and I'll have to figure something else out later. You know, it, it's, there's so much that can happen. Um, yeah, I mean, like, thankfully, I ended up with a relatively, like, very calm kid, <laughs> but I've thought about it before, like, I'm with another kid, I, there are many times when I could have seen myself resorting to that, you know, and, and in a lot of times, it was just out of that, like, like, what else do I do, <laughs> You know, or if you had the kid who would dart into the street and then no matter what you do, the kid darts into the street, you know, because I've had these conversations with people like, what would it take for me to do it? And I'm like, that's probably what it would take. It would take something that's so dangerous that I'm like, you know what, the 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 pain, you know, weighing both sides, the 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 outcome of them not being disciplined severely is too bad. <laughs> like it's just too horrible where it's worth it, you know? And it's, I think, yeah. you know, I've said this in our conversation, and I think those moments I have you on my shoulder, those moments where it's just like, I don't know what to do. Um, and for me, it's not spanking. It's other things where I'll like, you know, get nasty or yell or just act unfairly. But it's like, you know, or, or those moments where I'm just stuck and I have to do something and I do something and I'm watching myself do it like, well, that's horrible, but I can't think of anything else. So I'm just going to do it anyway. And it's like, you know, the time I had my five-year-old stay up until one o'clock in the morning to finish his schoolwork because I'm like, he's testing me. And this seems really harsh, but I don't know what, I don't, I can't think of a better way to handle this right now. So I'm just going to go with this. And I mean, he learned his lesson. He got much better at time management after that. <laughs> but I'm sure if you were on my shoulder, you would have known exactly what to do. <laughs> <laughs> well, and then here's the, and here's the thing. Like if we, if we go back to talking about spanking, the thing is for some people, they do it once and they really sit in that moment. Like, what did it feel like for my kid? What did it feel like for me? Why did I do it? Do I plan on doing this again? Some people are so conflicted with the fact they spanked their kid, they pretend it never happened, which means the likelihood of you using it again is much higher because you didn't just assess it. You didn't reflect right? You're like, well, I got through that moment. I hope that never happens again, but you didn't assess anything, right? Because it wasn't the only domino. There were other dominoes there, but if you're pretending it didn't exist or it happened, it's over, those same dominoes are going to line up. And because you pushed it out of your consciousness, you're not going to notice they're lighting up again. And next thing you know, you've become a spanking parent. And that was never your intention, but you ended up there, right? And then your kid is just locked into like, oh, when we get to this point, like this is now what happens. 
happen. And I think it's important for people, whether it's um, taking things away or throwing toys in the trash or yelling or go sit and time out. All of these adult reactions are the same thing. The dominoes are lining up and you're looking at one, you're looking at two dominoes and I'm like, but how many other ones set this in motion? Mm -hmm. Right. So whenever you're panicked or like things have just, you know, the train has fallen off the track. I think one of the things is parents are pressured to always know what to say or do. When you're not always going to know what to say or do. I don't always know what to say or do. So when, but what I do know is that we can't keep moving forward. So you have to stop or slow down the momentum. You just stop forward progress, right? So if your kid is flipping out, say at Rouse, whatever supermarket, if you keep talking, you're continuing to feed the forward momentum. If you're dragging them across the floor, it's forward momentum. If you literally just stop and stare at your kid, you're stopping the momentum. You're slowing it down. So then your kid is like, what the hell? <laughs> well, there should be a scream or a stomp or a threat coming out of my adult's mouth. There's nothing. So then they stop to try to figure out what's happening with you. So you stop forward momentum. If they are flipping completely out and just are clueless to the fact that you stopped because they are so out of it, then why do you think talking, yelling, or spanking is going to make it stop? It's not. They're completely triggered. It's adrenaline. It's fight or flight. So you might as well wait, conserve your energy for when they come down, for when they actually will hear you. So it's just a matter of you don't have to know what to say. You just have to slow down the momentum. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that makes sense. And it's like, who's who has to be in control in that moment? Right. And so, um, buddy, can you turn that off, please? Thank you. <laughs> who has to be in control in that moment? Like, no matter what, you're the one responsible. And sometimes that means you react to your child, you respond. And sometimes that means we need to pick up your sibling's medicine whether you're throwing a tantrum or not. So you can throw your tantrum and good thing you're only 30 pounds. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, um, but it's, it's tough. And, you know, one thing, and I love that you have this approach, but it's just like, we might as well say it out loud. As, as parents, let's not judge each other because we have no idea what's going on in someone's head. You know, we have no idea what else, what other factors they're considering. We have no idea what kind of day they've had, what values they're trying to instill in their children. Like I know people who use physical discipline and it's more cultural and they're like, no, this is, this is important. Like I was, I was hit. And that's one of the reasons I grew up into a person that I am today. And, and so I will do the same thing for my child. And you know, like if it's done in love, I'm, I'll respect. It's a cultural difference. You know, people in my own family were, you know, were harshly disciplined. You know, most of us, if you go a generation or two back, like not things you could do today without ending up in jail. <laughs> yeah. But it's the ability to just give pause, right? Because it's always 
it's always easy to paint a picture in your mind when the truth is we don't know the whole picture. Um, and instead of, that's a moment in time where you pick. It's always a crossroads when you're looking at a parent. You can choose to make yourself feel better by being judgy, or you can teach yourself by how can I support this person, right? What, what can I learn from this situation? Anyone can be like, why is she yelling at her kid? She shouldn't yell at her kid. It takes a bigger person to say, you know what? Can I help you unload your stuff onto the belt? Because their kid, they're having a hard time with their kid, right? That's like, I'm supporting you. I don't know what's going on there. I can't, maybe I don't, you don't want my help in that, but I can help you in this, right? Or she is yelling. Let's see, what is the whole technique? Right, because sometimes parents are yelling, but there is actually layered technique to that. They're not just yelling, they're saying very specific things. The kid responds back in very specific ways, and then they end up not yelling. But a lot of times people miss all of that nuance because your initial glance is how could they do that to their kid? But if you would really watch to learn instead of watch to judge you'll see like, oh, that's how they reel this whole situation back in. But most times people don't do that. And people do that to me when they see me say coaching kids. Why aren't you, why aren't you raising your voice at them? Why are you being so nice? And I'm I'm like, why don't you just see the whole thing play out? And then I will, I will probably answer your question and how I'm interacting with the children. But we're so hardwired to be judgmental. It's, it doesn't look the way we think it should. Therefore, it's all awful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, judging other people's actions as if we had done them. But actions can mean something totally different when someone else does it. Words can mean something totally different coming out of someone else's mouth. And yeah, it's, we have enough challenges in the world right now. We don't need to be against each other. We don't need to be judging each other. We should be supporting each other. Yeah. And I think it would just feel, parenting would feel different if we knew some people were, if we were watching each other to learn as opposed to watching each other to judge. Mm -hmm. Because as soon as you think people, you, you have eyes on you, everyone gets tense. Everything you say to your kid becomes awkward and unnatural. And most of the time, your child is reacting to the awkwardness and the tension because they don't know what's going on. Like, this doesn't seem right. Like, she doesn't usually say this, whether you're too syrupy sweet or you go too hardcore disciplinarian. They're like, this isn't usually how we roll. And so it sets your kids off. And it makes it more tense and more awkward and it prolongs it. Yeah. But we are, we are so people sensitive. Like I tell, and we've talked about this before. So when my kids have flipped out in public, as soon as someone makes a comment, instead of me listening to the whole comment, I go, and now we're at the point where someone butts in. (laughs) I know. And now we're at the point of the tantrum where someone makes a friendly comment, right? So I just remind myself like, oh, this is a whole cycle. And so even if it were, even if this, this is me and my kid, Nicole and Eric could be here and it would be the same cycle. 
the nervous, the nosy Nelly would insert themselves. The what da da would insert, like it's the same cycle. It's just human nature and it really has nothing to do with us and our kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I love, I love that. Knowing that it's going to happen and just letting it roll right off your back. I think it's great. Um, and you also bring up another great point. How often do we parent in a certain way, not because we think that's what's best for our kids or for the overall situation, but because we're worried about how other people will judge us. And that's like huge, I think, for young moms who are have a lot of exposure to a lot of other people who are opinionated, whether that's your little mommy circle that seemed like the right fit until you realize my kid is really different from their kid. So I have to like, I feel in my heart, I should parent different, but I have this pressure to be like this group. I see it a lot with parents who I say, Ooh, you got to be a lot less progressive. Like that doesn't, it doesn't quite work right now. We have to be a little bit more traditional. Um, I think your kid will respond to it better. Or if I have a traditional parent who all the friends are traditional and I'm like, yeah, like your kid's a little like way sensitive. Like we got to like lean a little bit more progressive. I think that will land better. It's really hard for people to go against the grain. If you have a grandmother who's giving an opinion, a mother-in-law, like it's, it's being able to tune out voices so that you can hear your own. It's very hard, very hard to do. It's very hard, but that's another place where you shine because you're really good at helping people to find themselves as a parent. So can you talk a bit about that? I think I'm lucky like in that While most people approach me because there's like a behavior challenge, um, for me, that's like the juicy part. <laughs> like, <laughs> ooh, there's a behavior challenge. And that's how I approach it, like a fascinating puzzle. I don't go about it like, well, what's wrong with your parenting? Mm. I go about it like, oh man, like your kid doesn't get you and you don't get your kid. Like you think you're both missing out. You're both missing out. And so I really see it from such a different way, I think, than many of other parenting coaches that I've talked to in that I don't think there's really any fault. I think there's just a disconnect. And so no one takes the time to actually get to know a parent and like laugh with a parent. Like that's so important with the work I do. Mm-hmm. I like to know who's a Raiders fan, who's a Steelers fan, <laughs> who likes their matchas, who thinks tea is awful and only <laughs> likes Starbucks. I like to know like who like donuts, who only eats healthy, like all that makes me love and appreciate and fall in love with the parent. Therefore, well, I love you. And then I fall in love with your kid. And then it's so easy for me to give you tailored strategies mm-hmm. that other people just come out of the box. Well, you're not talking to your kid, right? You're not. So it's like the deficit model about what someone's not doing. And I'm like, I think parents hear that enough <clears throat> about what they're not doing. <laughs> and I think most parents are doing the right thing. They're just not saying it in a way that lands. 
Mm. When people are like, you're not being strict enough. And I'm like, well, first of all, that's my pet peeve. When people say, can you work with this family or this family needs you because they're not strict? That's my pet peeve. Because I'm like, you know, if strict were the reason for amazing relationships with children, we would all be military in approach. Mm -hmm. Right? So it's not that easy. It's much more nuanced. Mm -hmm. Um, So I like people to come in and say, listen, I like to pull out who are you? Now what's tricky? Mm -hmm. Got it. Okay. Now let's work together this way. And I think that is... That's what makes it so joyful for me. Yeah, and you're really good at it. <laughs> Aw, thank you. You're welcome. Um, so, you know, you like you say, you work with the parent, you work with the kid, and a lot of times things just aren't landing. And so um, one thing that we've briefly touched upon before, and I'd love to just dig more into this today, is the idea that you could be parenting a child who is nothing like you. You know, like you could be the, you know, free spirit, creative, artistic type, and you could have a type A alpha male. And so there there are a million ways that these mismatches can happen. And I mean, I've seen in my own life, my own family, just, you know, how it can end up almost, you know, kind of tragic when a parent who has the best intentions just can't seem to land right with the kid in certain ways, or there is that mismatch. And so I'm wondering if you could talk a bit about that, maybe give a few examples. Um, And I mean, I think I've told you, Eric is almost a carbon copy of my personality, but there is one major difference. And so then maybe we could use that as an example at some point too. (laughs) I think it's one of the things when I work with people that they don't, they feel it. And when they say it, they always state it almost in a negative. It's pretty much always a negative. He's nothing like me. He's nothing like me. And I think what happens is you get stuck in that narrative that your kid is nothing like you. And it's so, therefore it's foreign to you. So you are never really going to work toward forward progress. So I always tell people, if you admit, like I'm highly mellow optimistic. And when I have kids who have really strong tempers, to me, it's so foreign. Like it's, and I'm like, I would have taken picky eater over like bad temper. Only because it's so opposite of my nature. But once I accepted it, I'm like, huh, how fascinating to live life with like this kind of fire. So once I saw it as like, it's fascinating, how can I help them navigate it? How can I help them bring it down a little? But my goal is not to quench their temper at all. It's just to help them manage it, right? Um, And I think that's what, is the tricky part. So parents will have, say the creative will have the like detail oriented nerd. And instead of like for what happens is most of the time you want to force them into your world to make them be creative, to make them like enjoy art, to make them. And the funny thing is the nerd will enjoy art if you introduce it using his vocabulary. 
right? So there's, and I think that's what's, you know, what I help parents do. Like, you will be on the same page. We just need to figure out a language that both of you understand. Uh, But it is, I feel very challenging when someone's mellow and they have a really intense kid. And they're just like, I don't navigate the world like this. I don't, but it's really, you need someone to help point out. They're not always 10, but because it's so foreign to you, you don't know how to read your kid because you're always 10, right? The ability to say, my kid makes me walk on eggshells is very freeing because then we can see when you're not walking on eggshells. Mm Mm-hmm. So I think it's the ability to say it in a way that isn't so blocking both of you in. Like, my kid is really fierce (laughs) and I am going to figure out how to help them navigate in the world. Feels a lot different than, you know, what do most people say? Oh, my God, my kid is a hothead. I don't know how they're going to get ahead in the world. Yeah. Right. Like you, my kid is so shy. Like, how is that going to serve her? I got to get her out of her shell. So it becomes almost this blind challenge to change your kid Mm -hmm. as opposed to get to know your kid and help them navigate. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So um, for people listening, um, Zoom will automatically show them your video. They haven't been seeing this. Um, Eric joined me over here and he's been tapping my face and pulling my hair out and... Look at that cute smile. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I'm here to ask you something. Oh, you're here. He's here to ask me. What's but what's up, buddy? Uh, does plushies rotten when they get wet? They can get kind of moldy. Yeah, yeah right. some of them do, some of them don't. But right now, I have to focus do, on this conversation, plush, not on plushies. Does my plushie get? I rotten? can't right now. I can't. Okay. No, you can't put your plushies in the water. Okay. Um, so back to the conversation about parents being totally different. It's like, I think it's, it's normal to be biased towards ourselves, right? Like we can see all of the beauty in our own traits. Um, but it's much harder to see beauty in the traits of people who are opposite of us. It's easier to see their drawbacks, you know, it's hard for us to see the ways that we're annoying and ineffective in the world. It's really easy to see the way others are annoying and ineffective in the world. And we have that bias, but in reality, it's like, you know, traits are traits. Traits can be channeled for positive or channeled for negative. If you try to suppress them, they're going to come up probably in a negative way. And if you can recognize like, this is my child, these are their traits. Let, let me teach them how to channel these traits for maximum effectiveness in the world, for maximum, you know, benefit to themselves, to the world. It's just like, it's a completely different approach, but most of us weren't taught to think that way. You know, and and it's and it's also right. hard because even if you recognize that, that's like a really great first step. But then what do you do <laughs> if they're totally different from you? It's much harder to know how to actually do that. Right. Well, you know, it it and it's both sides of the coin. So you can be you can say I, I'm not really self-confident. I wish I had all these different traits. And then you like birth this magical kid. Right who is like confident and, you know, a leader and likes to take charge and doesn't care what people think. And then you, because you feel like you're missing that or you wish you would have had it, 
you push that kid in that one direction nonstop Mm. instead of our job is to teach them both sides. What is it like to be calm? What is it like to be a follower, not always a leader? To know that it's actually a choice, not an expectation, right? The loud kid, the center of the party doesn't always have to be the center of the party, right? So it's the ability to figure out like, what am I putting on my kid? What am I putting a lot of pressure for them to repeat or be? Am I actually giving them space to evolve, right? And that's kind of the beauty of school because you go with one teacher for one year and then you go to a whole nother classroom. So you can almost rebrand yourself, if you will, right? Because even the kids in your class get shaken up. So some people remember you exactly the same. Some people don't. But everyone comes back a little different. The problem with your family is you're with them all the time. So when it doesn't work well, we parents trap our kid into whatever version is comfortable for us. Mm. And so we don't allow the evolution to happen. So that's why I tell people, I know you want your loud kid not to be so loud, but if say we're coaching them from one to five and five is like, they're screaming their heads off. Your natural instinct is to coach them to two. (laughs) And I'm like, it's actually not your right to coach them down to two because you don't know if they're going to need five. So why would you eliminate five completely? I would have them learn to cycle through two to four, two to four, two to four. Eric, are you saying, Mama, don't forget about me? (laughs) I love those hands. I've noticed you're still there. (laughs) Get moldy when I put them in water? I don't know. You know what, Eric? You know what my suggestion is? Because (laughs) it's hard for you to wait, right? You want the information? Can you want Mommy and I talk? Can you line up your plushies? Which ones you think will be okay if they get wet? Put them on one side of the floor. And then the ones that you think are super delicate that really shouldn't even have a drop of water, put them on a different side. So then mommy knows how you're looking at your different plushies. Can you do that while we talk for a minute? Okay. Do you want to? Okay. So one side are your super delicate plushies and the other side are the ones that you think are a little more durable and strong and they could probably handle a little bit of rain. Can you do that? Two different. (laughs) So like, that's an example of like, I have to stay here. You, you know, at some point, but that's an example, I'm right? With the computer in the room to show everyone the line of plushies. That's just going to happen. <laughs> right. But then our, but then our hope for him is because that's probably like what his expectation is, is you're always thinking about how do you move your kid forward a little bit, right? The dream is, Hey buddy, I'm talking. Okay, mom, I'll leave you alone for an hour. Right. That's like what working toward. And I always tell people that's like the long-term goal, like 12, 13, but people think like, no, I want it now. And I'm like, that's not how human nature works. Like, it's not, a, it's not, it's, it's like a love tag. It's like, oh, you're so into this conversation with Joshua. Are you still remembering me? Or that's the laugh you usually give me. Why did you give her three of those laughs? Like it's so much more nuanced and people are just like, my kid is bothering me. And I'm like, no, no, no. They're noticing little things. 
Um, so like we're asking him because I know he's a busy, deep thinker. He can't, he needs more data than what you gave him. So he's not going to stop asking you. So what we do is ask him to do part of the work, right? So why don't you now sort them? Which, which are the delicate ones, which are the more durable ones? And say he lines them up in your room because you know your guy. Then we're going to say, you know what? We can't go. Can you bring out the more durable ones first and line them up? And then you tell him where to put them, right? So it's, we're constantly say meeting halfway. So I'm still giving you feedback. You're still important to me. I'm still tight in, but we're meeting him at an age appropriate spot. Yeah. Instead of like, oh, I'm on a call. I'm on a podcast. It's like, remember guys, we slowly get to that big goal. It's the marathon. You don't just start running and you're at the finish line. Like that's not how it works. <laughs> it's not how it works. You like do a lot of self-talk. You do a lot of, oh my God, why am I here? Mm-hmm. Why did I have a kid? Oh my God, he doesn't understand. I should have given him a snack. Like it's all that. Like that's all part of the marathon of parenting. Mm-hmm. And he's not bad. Like it's supposed to happen that way. Yeah. And it's fine. Like he's six. He's supposed to want attention from his mother. Like, you know, thankfully, I own this business, so I can decide that it's totally appropriate to have kids interrupt you while you're working. And there you go. (laughs) Family-friendly, family-friendly policies. You know, I've had guests on here multiple times who have been interrupted by their kids. And I'm like, oh, that's what we're about, you know? Um, But, you know, it can be tough if you have your job and you're on that zoom call with the client and you know it's it's yeah but it's all about remember everything about parenting is baby steps Mm -hmm. the myth we're given is that it's big leaps if you're strict and you tell your kid don't interrupt me I'm on a call and so everyone believes that's how parenting works and I'm here to tell all of you that's not how parenting works so the only way you get to have your kid You and I have had a couple of calls. So he knows that I'm not actually competing with him, Mm -hmm. that I am okay to be second and for him to be the shining star. So look how long he's been gone at my suggestion, right? Because he knows that I will back away if he needs the stage, right? And for me, it's not a power play. Mm -hmm. It's not a power play. His interest in the durability of his plushies is a pretty fascinating question. (laughs) And so that's how I see it. And I think people don't read kids' questions that way. It's like, it's a kid question. And I'm like, you know what? Sometimes it's a pretty significant question they're asking. You just don't navigate the world that way. So you can't see it. Yeah. So he, there's a video where they give the plushie a bath. And he wants to give his plushies a bath. And I told him, I don't think that's a good idea because they could get really moldy and then we have to throw them away. So that's where, yeah, that was probably like two weeks ago. <laughs> and that's, that's where this came from right now. Um, no, you're, you're absolutely right. And knowing what they need, what are different ways you can fulfill that need, right? So a lot of times there are situations where I'm like, I know what he needs right now, but can't fulfill it. So guess I'll have to figure out something else to do instead, you know? Yeah. So you just do the best you can. I think people keep looking for perfect or right. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, 
there's only a handful of those moments, right? Like I, I wanted to take the girls to Disneyland and I was like so pumped, but I have too much information in my head about kids and outings. And I'm like, Disneyland costs how much? Like, I want them to remember it. And I'm one of those, like, I want to go at opening and leave it closing. Like, I'm one of those people at amusement park. So I'm like, okay, well, what age? So I finally thought we're here. We're at, I think they were five and seven. Like, we're here. I think we can handle big Mickey's walking around. I, it's perfect. This is the weekend we're going. We had meltdown. <laughs> we had one at one point someone rolling all over the floor outside the restaurant, just rolling and screaming. Then she took it up a notch and threw off her shoe. And I just realized we are in Disneyland. <laughs> she will remember it. <laughs> We're gonna stay till it closes. So I've achieved some of my check mark. Like I've checked some of the boxes and a tantrum is part of the experience. A tantrum is part of the experience. And she's not the first kid who tantrum. She's not going to be the last kid who tantrums. And we're just in a tantrum and that's it. And I just had to surrender. What I did realize was because then I busied my mind instead of like my kid shouldn't be rolling around or I, she wore white, not a drop of dirt. So I was shocked how clean Disneyland was. That that was my takeaway from that 25-minute roll-on-the-ground tantrum as we waited for a spot in the restaurant. I was like, this place really is clean. Wow, that's impressive. And I was like, oh, who would have thought if she hadn't had this tantrum, I wouldn't have learned this. So it's just about, there was one, most people looked away and just ignored us. And there was one mom with a special rights kid who must have been like 32, who just smiled at me. And you know, that grin of like, honey, I know. Yeah. I know. So I was just like, oh, okay. I got like my mommy pat on the back. Like you can do it. <laughs> and that was good. And like, speaking of support, right? Like I got support from a random person. That's all I needed was that grin. And it was fine. So. Nothing is perfect. You can just be perfectly patient. You can be perfectly imperfect. Mm -hmm. You can just do the best you can, but that that's parenting. Yeah. No, there's no, there's no, um, it's like they say there's no perfect parent. And then that kind of makes you wonder, well, maybe we're all just perfect parents. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe this is, maybe this is what a perfect parent looks like. Yeah. You know, this, you, like, oh yeah. <laughs> I think, I think he, um, I think he's back. Do you notice anything, Hello. Joshua? Do you see anyone? <laughs> Hello. Uh, um, I need to ask you something. Oh, again, what's up? Um, which one do you think is delicate and which one do you think is, uh, good? Do you think that while I'm talking to Joshua is a good time to interrupt and ask that question? Or do you think it can wait until after I'm done? Um, I'd like to ask. Okay, I promise I will tell you when I'm done. Okay. 
<laughs> yeah, so um, background on the ways Eric and I are alike and different. Like I said, he's almost a carbon copy of me. We're both little nerds. We're both very particular. We have our little, like, we'll be kind of do things in like a, like a prissy way. Like, oh, don't get me dirty, you know? Like, <laughs> um, his little quirks, like, we're exactly the same. The way we analyze things, the way we take in new information, his facial expressions, like, exactly me one big difference. Well, I guess two related big difference, big differences. I'm very submissive. I hate confrontation. Like I can have my feisty side, but it almost never actually comes out, you know? Um, I literally will do like, I hate drama. I like avoid confrontation and I gave birth to an alpha male and like, I've realized, I mean, can you, can you tell like the dominance <laughs> over here? And so I've realized like for him, you know, cause I'm like, I, I would take it personally. Like he was being aggressive or attacking towards me and it hit me at some point. No, this is how he bonds. He thrives on competition and he's being competitive or challenging to me. To me, that's an attack to him. It's a bonding moment. And I'm just, I, yeah. I don't know exactly what to do with that, but I feel like, you know, I like, I'm, I'm trying to figure it out, but that's kind of how it goes, you know, and see, right. Like who's, who's in control of the situation. Like someone can try to end our conversation or disrupt it, but you know, we decide whether or not that happens. <laughs> right. But I think it's like the example of um, when he gets in the mode of, I want to go big, right? Big competitive mm-hmm. that you start to, Eric, is it tricky? Cause I'm still talking to mommy. <laughs> the tricky cause I'm yeah. still talking to mommy. Yeah. Mommy, one more question. Well, okay, let me finish, Eric, look at my eyes. Let me finish my sentence, my idea, and then it's, I'll be quiet, and then it's your turn for your idea. Are you ready? Uh, I'm ready. Okay, ready? Thumbs up? Ready? Okay, I'm going to finish my idea, then it's your turn for your idea. So I'm starting now, my idea. I think it's when he gets charged and he's super competitive, you have to now speak to it, say, Oh, you want to do this game Eric style. And that's code for competitive or like over the top. Mm. And then when you want to shift it, say, okay, now I want to do it mommy style. And you don't have to call it mommy style. You can call it less competitive. You can use whatever words you want. But then he gets the chance to be flexible that, oh, got it. I want, you want me to shift into this other gear. And so then he becomes, think of it as bilingual. He'll now have two gears that he knows how to play and maneuver with, as opposed to just the only one he knows. Mm-hmm. That's genius. I right. like it. I am done. Okay, you're I'm passing it to you. <laughs> when is your meeting going to be done? Oh, that's a good question. I'm not sure. We still have some stuff to talk about. I hope it's. Do you yeah. want to put your headphones on and watch some videos about the trains in Chicago? Um. Okay, that sounds like an awesome idea. Bye bye. Bye bye. Bye. And don't forget to put the headphones on and not to talk. Okay. Yep. <laughs> he 
is like, and he has a little bit of an entertainer personality. And so the idea that there's a camera and he can be on the video with me and then he can go back and watch this video of him going like this to my face and laugh at it. You know, it's just like, it's like his dream. (laughs) And, you know, he has two parents who are, you know, fitness and holistic health coaches and who do a lot of work online. And so he's like, to him, grownups make, videos that's just what they that's like part of normal life and so he grows up like he made one the other day and I posted it it was like hey mom he texted me a video like hey mom I just want to tell you that your work is really important but if you get it done we can play later (laughs) and if you don't get it done in time then we'll have to just do our work until we go to sleep and he went on about it was really cute yeah (laughs) yeah yeah because he knows he's like she does video so let me just use her language, right? Let me pop into her arena. Oh yeah. So many of my videos, um, you know, for those of you who don't know that I am, you know, online, the super busy mommy coach, how many of my videos start with hi, super busy mommies and hi, super busy Eric's. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's definitely, it's definitely a dance, but it's about, you know, Like if you think about bikes, how they have a lot of gears, a car has a lot of gears. We're just teach our kids how to use all of their gears. But the only way to teach them is if we start to figure out how to use all our gears. Mm -hmm. Right. Some people just never go in neutral. And I'm like, you gotta, (laughs) you gotta like be in neutral. We got without revving the engine. Be in neutral. Stop. Take your foot off the gas. (laughs) Just be in neutral. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and that's specifically to all of you people who are doers constantly have a list, multitasking, da, 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 like you. but they complain that their kids never sit still. And I'm like, well, you know, you never sit still. <laughs> so how can we teach? How can we teach a skill that you haven't mastered? So you, you probably don't even know how to teach it. And that's the thing. Most of the time we know what we want to teach, but no one has taught us how to teach that skill to someone else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's, that's true. I love that. You know, it's like the idea of, you know, the kids doing something and it's like, and where do you think they learned that from? It's like, we, yeah. we know which way to point the finger every time, like everything, like, where did he get, where did he start saying that from? And then two days later, I hear myself say it like five times in a row. And I'm like, since when did I start saying that? <laughs> You know, yeah, and you're like, oh, I guess always. Yeah, I guess I've always been doing that, you know, or his little things. And, you know, the way we treat our kids is we're teaching them how to treat other people, you know, and it's hard because they're kids and sometimes you have to be the grown up and then the kid and, you know, like, no, stop, especially with something dangerous. And then when they come out and do it, you're like, where, where did they learn that attitude? And it's like, yep, that's how... From us, it's from us always. And then even bigger than that, like I tell people, remember the systems that that you use become familiar. Mm. They, kids aren't really critical thinkers and knowing like, oh, this is how my mom, she yelled because she came from a yelling family. No, what happens to them is, oh, yelling is how love is transmitted. So then they get overbearing little friends who yell at them or call them names or don't let them make, they never get to do the fun part of the game. They're always being bossed around. 
But I'm like, but if that's how you interact with your kid, then they go for what seems familiar. And then people get shocked. Oh my God, like the kids boss him around all the time. And I'm like, yes, but it's a mirror of your relationship. Like you never let him have his own idea. You're constantly telling him, don't get dirty. Don't eat that way. So he goes for that same construct when he's looking for friends. And I don't think people necessarily make that connection, which is why I say, remember, if you're a yeller or if you're a hitter, that becomes okay for little kids to do to your child as well, because you've normalized those reactions to difficult situations. And so parents never see that. I, it's rare for me to encounter a parent who sees that connection, but they get really upset that a kid has hit their kid or that a kid yells at their kid. And I'm like, no, 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 but you've normalized those reactions to difficult situations. Mm-hmm. So your kid is like, well, I get yelled at, right? And then fast forward, it starts dysfunction, right? We start to see it. So that's what you have to be mindful about how you react to things and how you navigate so that your kid can see a healthy spectrum. So yes, you're going to lose your effing mind. You're going to lose your marbles. It should be rare. It should be because your kid turned on the stove. It should be because your kid flushed money down the toilet. Um, It should be because your kid hit another kid, Mm -hmm. right? To me, that's appropriate spectrum of reaction. But if you're screaming and yelling because your kid spilled water, I'm like, that's not, it doesn't match the circumstance. But you're teaching your kid that something that minor elicits this massive reaction. And so that's why you have to, you you have to be okay and permissive, just like you have to be extreme. But unless you're reflective, you literally don't know what you're doing, right? You will have no real memory of it. And you have to have a memory of, I don't flip out over spilling the Cheerio box all over the floor, right? This is a learning moment. I can teach them to sweep. I can actually teach them how to bring it down off of the counter. I can, I can maybe they do this all the time. So maybe I should have it in a different drawer. Maybe I should put it in Tupperware with a little lid, mm-hmm. right? It's a learning moment and you should have a spectrum of reactions. And I think that's the key to parenting, to have a spectrum of reactions. If you're stuck with one reaction all the time, that's when I'm like, what's happening? Are you overwhelmed? Are you depressed? Are you pissed off? Are you angry? Like, what is it? There's something that's just, you're just not in sync with yourself. And it's coming out with your kid, but it doesn't have to do with your kid. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that's, that's so true. And having all these different tools in your toolkit, like I like that the way you're explaining it is that none of these are necessarily bad. It's just under what conditions is it effective to use them? Yeah. Mm -hmm. You have to have a lot of tools, right? You can't just have a screwdriver. (laughs) (laughs) right you're gonna encounter a nail I I mean you could turn the screwdriver the other side and try to hammer it in that way but it's like people get stuck and that's why I tell people 
study a lot of different parents because a lot of people are like, I only want to use this philosophy. To me, that's equivalent to I will navigate my entire life with a screwdriver. And I'm like, you're going to need a tape measure. You're going to need a hammer at least. Like you're going to need at least one or two more tools. So why would you close yourself off and say, I'm only following this philosophy? It makes no sense, right? What if your kid is put together with Velcro? How is the screwdriver helping you? <laughs> how, how is that helping you? I love you? that. Right? Yeah. I'm like, uh, I remember like, I have a screwdriver and, and I'm like, there are no screws, right? Your kid is glued. It's a glued model. So mm-hmm. now what are you doing with your screwdriver? Like it's ineffective. But if you're open to the possibility of other tools and you're like, oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love it. Right? Not, right? Not US made. This one came from IKEA. You're like, <laughs> oh, totally different. Right? That's a good example, right? If you get like furniture made at some place, as soon as you have people, oh, but I got this bookshelf from IKEA, everyone's like, oh, <laughs> they're empathetic. They know you need time. They're like, oh my goodness, is this your first one or like your third bookshelf, right? It's a whole different approach to IKEA furniture. And I think that's what I want people to see. Like your kid may come from IKEA, right? But you're thinking he's coming from whatever, like Walmart furniture and you need a screwdriver and you're like trying to do a screwdriver. And I'm like, it's IKEA furniture, give up with the screwdriver already. Oh, I love that. And I feel like we've just gone through so many factors that can differ during this conversation, right? It's it's who your kid is and like their natural self. Um, and then it's, you know, the the values you're trying to instill in your kids or whatever you think is important, whatever society you grow up in, what does it take to be successful in that society? Right. And then it's who you are, and then it's how you were parented. And all of this like comes together and somehow on, I guess, a more subtle level level has to be considered into what is the most effective thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. What's the most for now? Because it will always change. Mm -hmm. I think that's the constant complaint when you talk to adults who like have all these issues with childhood. It's that the approach never changed. The strict parent was strict no matter what. The permissive parent was permissive no matter what. They were not in tune with the changes of a child. And that your changes or needs or wants shift, right? It was like a one size fits all approach. Doesn't matter where they fell, but it was that there was a loss of connection with the child when they needed it. And I think that's your, that's the bit. And I think that's why it's hard. When you want to be a good parent is that you're hoping to see what actually is the important thing to see when the tantrum is happening, mm-hmm. right? How many people are like, oh my God, my kid threw shoes and, da, da, da. and then we talk and we figure out their shoes were too small, but they didn't have kids don't have an understanding that you can get a bigger size. So they're just like, these are my shoes. And you keep forcing them to put their shoes on and you put their feet in and why can't you? And then, you know, by accident, someone's like, oh my God, your kid's shoes are too small. 
right? But if you slow down, you start to say, why are we stuck with the shoes again? What's happening? You open yourself up to what's really going on. It's not that my kid, sorry, downtown living. So (laughs) it's not that my kid hates me or doesn't want to listen to me. It's like my kid is probably trying to tell me something, but they don't have the words. Like I, we just, we have to figure it out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love it. I love it. And so um, we talked a lot about dealing with difficult situations by meeting the child's need. And so I'm wondering about the flip side of that, right? Like it's probably bad for our children if we constantly try to meet their needs when it's not appropriate to, right? Like, so if they're feeling sad because they, you know, we said no when they wanted to buy something in the store, the, the appropriate response isn't always to be like, oh, well, they just need something in the store. Let me go get it, right? Um, <laughs> so, you know, or, oh, well, you know, for example, there are times when it's probably like he wants attention and it's probably not appropriate for me to be as calm and patient about it, right? Um, and so let's let's just, you know, before we end, talk about that side too, just to balance things off. Yeah, so basically when I talk about what kids are trying to transmit, it doesn't mean that you're going to make it happen. (laughs) It means I want you to understand it. And then you make like your quality control decision, right? So if I'm working, if I know at the core, my kid is really say bossy, inflexible, they want life the way they want it. Then I say, okay, this demand, is it a need or a want? Oh, it's a want. Oh, they want it because, I don't know, it caught their eye. So then the conversation is how to navigate disappointment. So I I know what you want, but you're not going to get it. But my goal now is to help you. Like, what am I actually coaching? So you have to know what you're coaching. So a lot of times people get distracted by the thing. And then they get like guilty. Like I think that's usually what parents do. It's like either they're overwhelmed and angry or they soften and they feel guilty. And I'm like, well, no, it's like, what do you want in the moment? If you're driving to a store and you are clearly going to buy bread, then you make that intention out loud. We are only going to buy bread. When your kids, but I want to see the toys. That's not the plan today. Next time we come, we can walk by the toy aisle. Ah, I hear you're disappointed. (laughs) I am disappointed. I can't go to the book aisle. We are going to buy bread, right? So you go and you buy your bread. The kids see something at the checkout, but I want that. You do want that. Can I take a picture for you? Or do you want me to remember that's that's on the wish list? Mm -hmm. Right? So like, I hear you, but again, Back to, we only came for bread, but because you've even coached yourself, it means no matter if it's puppy eyes or mommy, but I love you. You're remembering that's right. Like we're working on say consistent messaging. We're working on that mommy's in charge. They can't sabotage me. Like you have to be clear about your goals so that when you're teaching them in that moment, you're like, yes, it's almost like blinders on. What's the goal? What's the goal? What's the goal? Get out of the store with only one item. Like that's the goal. Um, But I think that happens because you slow down. Instead of living life so fast, you do have to narrate so that your kid understands like, 
oh, I can make a request, but I can't make demand. Mm. Right. So I can yell at my mom and it pretty much never happened. Right. So it's the ability to say, you know what? You yelled at me three times. You want a Snickers? Every time you yell, I say no. I would say some people write a note. Can you buy me a Snickers, please? Some people say, mommy, can I have a Snickers? So I like give them a couple of different approaches. And then I always set them up for the response. Remember, when you ask, I might say yes, no, or maybe later. So just because you ask, it doesn't mean it's a yes or no. You could get a maybe later. So I start to set them up for, right? The idea is not how your children respond to you, how they respond, what they expect from you is what they will expect from other people. So you have to give them enough tools that they can navigate without you, right? So you have the people who are like, I never say no to my kid. But as soon as someone outside of their family says no, they don't know how to handle it. They don't know how to maneuver that. They take it personally. So you have to teach them and give them a certain amount of exposure so they know, oh, that's not a personal comment. That's like, in general, they're saying no. Mm-hmm. Not because, no, I don't like you. It's like, no, I don't have money. No, I don't have time. No, I, want, I don't want to stand in that line. No, it's only available in that store. I don't go to that store. But no doesn't mean it's because I don't like you. Mm -hmm. Right. And the flip side is if you're a yes parent, my question is, why are you a yes parent? What are you avoiding? What are you trying to make easier? Because it's not really easier to say yes all the time. It's not. So that's always my question is like, why do you lean so hard on no? Why do you lean so hard on yes? What are you afraid of? Because usually it's just fear based. Hmm. That's a good point. What are you afraid of? That's what parenting boils down to most of the time when the people are like, and they did this. And I'm like, well, why did you say that? Because I was afraid that yeah. someone was going to say something. I was afraid that he would knock over the whole display. I was afraid that, but usually I'm like, okay, so he, if he did knock over the display and then what? Like the whole store isn't going to come crashing down. <laughs> Just the cookie display comes down. Like, and then what? And then what? Mm-hmm. And usually if you go past your and then what, it's not as terrifying. It's just we're afraid to go past the and then what? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really true. So you've dropped so many bombs, <laughs> good bombs, <laughs> knowledge bombs. Um, I love it. Every conversation with you is like my own like private mini lesson on how to be a better mom. <laughs> so we just have to do a lot more episodes like this. <laughs> but give people an idea of like what exactly you do, how you do this work, where they can find you, where they can get in touch with you and your conversations that you uh, have opened up that they can join. Yeah, so absolutely. So people can contact me if you are anything, anything child or parenthood related, like feel free to reach out. There is no small problem or big problem. They're all literally the same. Um, So you can reach out through Instagram. You can send me a DM and everything is ask the child whisperer. 
So if you want to email me, it's info at Ask the Child Whisperer. If you want to go to Instagram or Facebook, it's Ask the Child Whisperer. I'm on TikTok as Ask the Child Whisperer. And so my goal is that in the meantime, if you don't want to work with me privately, and the difference in working with me privately as opposed to getting my tidbits off social media is on social media, I try to be as expansive and general as possible, but I don't have a sense of you. I don't have a sense of your child, of your rhythms, what makes you laugh, what makes you frustrated, what overwhelms you. So when we get to work one-on-one, I can actually tailor everything to your family. Um, So I have a group program that people, it's called Parenting with a Village, because I believe hearing other people's stories really helps you, especially when we talked about guilt and shame. You start to realize I'm not the only one. Everyone's been petrified at the same time, right? So I'm available one-on-one and I'm also available in a group setting and, you know, always reach out. Even if it's a response to something I post, I try to connect with people and make everyone feel like your job is actually to enjoy your child, not to do parenting right. Mm. Oh, I love that. It's to enjoy your child, not to do parenting right. But people often live it backwards. And I'm like, no, 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 that's not actually your job. That's gold. I love that. Awesome. So, yeah. So that's a little bit about me, but thank you for having me. I also love talking to you and getting my moments with Eric. (laughs) Thank you so much (laughs) for being on the show. Let's see if we get his attention to say bye. Eric, Eric, you want to say bye? Come here. (laughs) bye-bye goodbye my friend have fun with your study (laughs) can't wait to see the evolution of the plushie yeah yeah well how that takes it send you some that will be a good investigation (laughs) have to send you some pictures of that yeah thank you so much always great chatting with you and we'll um having more talks i'm sure i'm sure we will Yes. All right. Have a great rest of the day. You too. Take care. You've been listening to Badass Moms. Join us again and get your badass on.